I'm Lisa Henderson. I'm your host for Daring Parenting, and I thank you for listening. Hope you will join us for the previous segments where we've been discussing Black Lives Matter with our guest, Alicia Graves, who has been kind enough to help educate me and explain to me and to our listeners what it is about Black Lives Matter that we don't understand, and then what comes next. Alicia, we haven't even gotten to the forgiveness piece. Hell, we're a long way away from the forgiveness piece. Yeah, some of the forgiveness piece is for, at least for those white people who say, you know, I didn't own slaves, but my, that was my grandfather and my great-great-grandfather. If they say, you know what, I didn't own slaves, but I apologize for that. And this is the missing piece, I think, is owning it because it's what your great and great grandfather did. Some of that economically has put us in a situation. It's because of those things that they wouldn't educate the slaves for obvious reasons. Right. That's why education is so important to us. But because of that lack of education, as far as us economically, we're always lagging behind. As long as others, you know, there were other systematic things in place, redlining, education as far as in the different areas, segregation and stuff like that. But, and going back to what we're saying about, if you say my great, great grandfather, da, 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 just say, you know, yeah, he sure did. I can see how that affects you. And I can see how that leads us to where we are today. And that's messed up. You know what? I'm sorry about what my ancestors did. So just acknowledging the truth Because the truth is, and I'm sure you've seen the Monopoly speech, where the woman talks about 400 years, and it's like all the white people get to go around the board 400 times. And I think the unwillingness to admit that is, it is so awful that if we have to face that, then how can we live with ourselves? And that's the conversation that I hope we're starting to have now. Wherever There's no hiding anymore. White people, for the first time that I've seen in my lifetime, and I'm older than you are, for the first time are saying, what can we do? How can we help? How can we make this better? Yes, it is wrong. Well, first, if you if you are talking to Black people and they bring that up and just, like you say, acknowledge the truth, and then when you're talking to your white friends, acknowledge the truth and also hold those accountable who do not want to look at the truth and stand firm in your truth. And um, the other thing is whatever, it's almost like you get in where you fit in, and that is having that conversation with your white friends to say, you know, I'm standing firm in my belief in this and understanding what Blacks are going through. I understand it. I'm standing firm and I'm holding you accountable for that too, if that's where you are. If it is protest, that's where you are. If it is to give funds to help with legal issues, everybody, you know, get in where you fit in to help with bringing it to a place (laughs) to where uh, there's an opportunity for equality and justice. So what you're saying is it's, it varies, you know, when people, white people go, what can we do? You're saying find what speaks to you and follow that. Yes. Whether it's 
time, money, talent, speaking your truth loudly or quietly. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And Alicia, let, let's say this all needs to start young. What would you think would be a good way to start working with parents to talk to their children, the schools? And I think we put too much on the schools. The bottom line is this belongs to the parents of children to teach. We cannot foist this off on our educational system. But if you were to say to the mother of a four-year-old, five-year-old, white child, black child, what would you suggest? It's how you live. Your child, for the most part, mirrors what you do. Your child mirrors what you say. You are, the parent is the example to that child. And, and then two, I, I don't, you know, this is tough, you know, find some black people just like you, Lisa, and the other gentleman that's in our church, you decided that, you know what, for whatever reason, I'm going to this church and it's African-American. For that four-year-old, take them to a, a, a nursery school or put them in situations where they are in, in, in a diverse atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And then it's also what you do, what you say about those situations Because as they grow, they're listening to you. That's my suggestion. And what happens is that growing up, when you don't have the benefit of having a a mixed circle, then you only learn one way of life. You're only exposed to one group of people. Right. And when you're only exposed to one group of people, that's that's all you know. You don't even have experiences to reflect on that might even inform you or inform the child that at least if that child is with other kids in diverse situations, they're going to probably hear some things and then, you know, let them go over to the parent's house, you know, and spend some time and stuff and get, you know, it's getting to know each other. And that's, and that's where you learn. That's where you learn. Cause then you say, well, you know what? Well, when I was 10 years old, I was with this, Asian, Black, Spanish family, and we had a good time at the table. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Right. You have those experiences to reflect on. For the people that are in Atlanta listening to us, this is easy. I have friends and acquaintances that live in other parts of the country, and they're hard-pressed to find a Black person. I I have a friend who's married to a black man and she did not see her first white person, a black person until she was 17. So we're fortunate that we live in a diverse enough city. This is actually doable. So that's when you have to almost sit, you know, sit them in front of the TV. Although I was in Atlanta, like my mother sat me in front of the TV looking at the civil rights movement, but you start looking at maybe things on TV that's educational, that that kind of adds that diversity. And then it's what's that, how that parent comments on that and makes that a way of life. Like I said, a child mirrors you. Right. If if you don't have the, uh, another group of uh, Blacks, Asian, Latinos to be with, then, I mean, I'm I'm sorry, but there's TV. There's also the internet where you can be very Mm -hmm 
uh, specific about the kind of information you want to expose them to. And you all kind of watch together and talk about it. And, you know, in the rocks, you have a conversation type thing. That's better than zero. Okay. If you aren't in a situation where you can mix, then there's always television, the internet, movies, things that you can deal with age appropriately to introduce it and to raise the topic. And to raise and the topic. I'll tell you something, Alicia, and I know this is going to sound really, really dumb, but in the history books and growing up in the South, the Deep South, I didn't really believe that the Civil War was about slavery. Mm. Somehow it was like, I didn't really know what it was about, but it was sort of like, well, you know, those Yankees were just coming, trying to come down and take money from us. So it was more this emphasis on the carpetbaggers as opposed to this was really a war to end slavery. And I think until we can be clear about that message, that that's really what this was about and banning the civil war flag at the Confederate flag and singing Dixie and, you know, all of the things that are so woven into Southern fabric as being okay until we can speak the truth. To me, the history books need to be rewritten. I agree. I mean, and it's kind of like World War II. Like I didn't really understand that the Nazis were trying to kill the Jews. Like it was just sort of like, what? It just, I couldn't, it, it was like a chapter. So I think we're doing a disservice to our young people by not just some, they can handle it. They play those damn video games that are so violent. I think they can handle the truth about who and what we really are. I think so too. I handle the truth about what we really are. And also, you know what that does too? What? When you, when you present the truth of what we are, the truth of what slavery was and is as far as, yeah, it was, a, there was some oppression, but there were a lot of people who were smart out of that. A lot of people who did some things that's counter to what we hear about, about slavery. Mm -hmm. So if we learn that, then also that kind of systematic oppression by not telling the truth about history as far as where Blacks are concerned, mm -hmm. then you start having a more positive impact on how Black people feel about their race. You know, it's not learned that they are the least. You learn more about, yeah, there was slavery. Yeah, white people chose to do this. But this is the other part of it, too. These are these inventions. This is what happened. This is what happened. So that kind of adds some balance. So then Blacks, Latinos, whoever contributed to this world, then you grow up more feeling more positive about being who you are. And that's Black. My thanks to Alicia Graves. Uh, this has just been wonderful. We have really covered a lot. And next time on Daring Parenting, we're going to wrap up our discussion about Black Lives Matter with our super guest, Alicia Graves. And we'll talk about some of the subtleties of white privilege and how we go forward from here. Thanks for listening to Daring Parenting. If you'd like to know more, you can go to our website, daringparenting.com, or if you'd like to drop me an email, Lisa at DaringParenting.com. Thanks for listening.